Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I hope this day finds you well. I also hope this day that you take a little time to remember the loved ones that have gone on. Remembering their smile, their laughter, and the love that you shared with them. The greatest gift that has been given to us is our memories. And reminiscing on them keeps them alive in our hearts and in our minds. Proving that we never ever really lose anyone. And I would also ask of you this day to think about our ancestors. Think about the ones that were born into slavery and died in slavery. What an horrific life they were forced to live under. May they forever rest in peace. Well, it is time for us to slip into a little darkness. The chains of slavery still exist in mass incarceration because echoes of slavery and the white supremacy that fueled it continue to reverberate through the U.S. criminal legal system. The 13th Amendment may have outlawed the enslavement of black people, but the United States continues to devise new ways to uphold the racist hierarchies that slavery was founded on and to restrict the freedom of the descendants of enslaved people. Today, we see alarming echoes of the Reconstruction era when unjust laws prevented emancipated enslaved people from voting and exercising their power and influence as citizens of a democracy. During the 2020 presidential election, people who lived in predominantly black neighborhoods faced significantly longer lines to cast ballots than people in predominantly white neighborhoods. In some cases, black people were forced to wait more than five hours to vote. Now, lawmakers in 43 states have proposed at least 250 bills that would make voting more difficult. Historians say these proposals, which include ID requirements, reduced poll hours, and limits on mail-in voting, would represent the most dramatic curtailment of ballot access since poll taxes, literary tests, and other restrictions effectively prevented newly anticipated men from voting in the late 19th century. Obstacles to voting are just one means to curtail the liberty of black people in the United States. Mass incarceration has picked up where slavery left off, 
separating families and dehumanizing and traumatizing the descendants of enslaved people. In the 156 years since slavery was abolished, black people in the United States have gone from being considered less than human under the law to being treated as less than human by the criminal legal system that still punishes them more harshly than white people at every stage. Because the 13th Amendment exempted people convicted of crimes, the criminal legal system has been used to extract labor from enslaved people's descendants. Immediately after the abolition of slavery, black codes criminalized activities like selling crops without permission from a white person. Other laws criminalized black people for being too close to a white person in public, walking without purpose, walking next to railroad tracks, or assembling after dark. As lawmakers expanded the criminal legal system's ability to arbitrarily send black people to jail for minor crimes, convict leasing laws allowed plantation owners to lease convicted people. Once again, historians have reported that people who were leased were treated even more brutally than enslaved people because plantation owners had a financial incentive to keep enslaved people alive, and no such incentive protected victims of convict leasing. Most incarcerated people who were leased for labor did not even survive to complete 10-year sentences. Until the middle 1950s, states routinely forced chain gangs of imprisoned people to do public works projects while wearing chains weighing as much as 20 pounds. While black codes and chain gangs have faded into history, Incarcerated people remain an easily exploitable labor source because desperate conditions compel many to accept any work for any pay just to alleviate some of the misery of their circumstances. Now, here is the kicker, my friends. Private companies and governments extract nearly free labor from incarcerated people who are employed to do everything from building office furniture and making hand sanitizers to staff call centers and performing 3D modeling in most cases for pennies an hour. In California, incarcerated people battle fires in 24-hour shifts for as little as $2.90 a day. The estimated minimum annual value of prison and jail industrial output is $2 billion. It is long past time for the United States to abolish this modern twist on slavery. The labor of all people, including those who are incarcerated, deserves respect and fair pay. 
Freedom United, and the National Equal Justice Association are two organizations which have campaigns to end these explorative practices. As the country commemorates Juneteenth, a holiday that celebrates the emancipation of enslaved people in the United States, remember that slavery's chains still rattle. Voter suppression is on the rise, and mass incarceration is another incarnation of state-proposed economically incentivized institutional terror that destroys the lives of Black people and many others in this country. Incarcerated people and detained immigrants, a disproportionate number of whom are Black and brown, due to the racism embedded in the criminal, legal, and immigration systems, are paid extremely low wages for work that can be difficult and sometimes dangerous. COVID-19 has only amplified this crisis. Since the pandemic hit, incarcerated people have been paid as little as $3.75 per week to deliver meals and clean in the sick wings of prisons where patients were being quarantined. The incarcerated people who bottled and labeled NYS Clean hand sanitizer in New York last spring earned wages that started at 16 cents per hour. Some without financial means feel they have no choice but to work because this is the only way they can acquire basic necessities. Even soap is not provided in many prisons and must be purchased from the commissary. Some people are so desperate that they're coerced into accepting dangerous jobs, such as the state of California's offer to expunge conviction records for people who join a firefighting program that has been battling fires in 24-hour shifts for as little as $2.90 a day. The minimum wage for work done by people in immigration detention was set at $1 per day in 1950. Attempts to raise it have failed, and 70 years of inflation have only eroded its purchasing power. Calls made from detention cost 69 cents a minute or more. In some places, people must work an entire day to earn enough money to speak to a loved one for just two minutes. And as people in immigration detention are paid pennies to cook their own food and clean their surroundings, the private prison companies that run these facilities grow more profitable because they don't have to pay market rates for meals and janitorial services. Although work in immigration detention is supposed to be voluntary, people have reported being punished or threatened with solitary confinement for refusing to work or for trying to take a day off. Attorneys and advocates have argued that paying people in immigration detention less than minimum wage violates the 13th Amendment 
because people suspected of civil immigration violations have not been convicted of criminal offenses. No one should have their labor exploited, including people who have been convicted of crimes or those sitting in immigration detention. These practices exist simply to degrade people and make their lives more unbearable. The United States incarcerates and detains people at rates astronomically higher than any other country. As we work to end mass incarceration, we must simultaneously work to improve conditions for its current victims. People who are incarcerated or detained deserve to be treated with dignity and to earn a living wage. So there you have it, my friends. The chains of slavery are still rattling within the United States. And they will continue to rattle until enough people silence them. That music tells me that it is time for my departure. But before I go, I want to leave you with another message. Until we confront our history of racial injustice and its legacy, we cannot overcome the racial bias that exists today. Until next time, my friend, it has been Bo's honor.